about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. Season three is officially on go. Welcome to the Four Horsemen Podcast. I am Dylan. I'm joined by Steve today. We are not with P-Wagon, but we will provide all his spicy hot takes as per <laughs> usual. And um, let's let's get into this. I mean, it's it's game week, buddy. It's Monday. How are you feeling? It, it almost doesn't feel real. Uh, it has been an absolute roller coaster of a year for all of the reasons that obviously everyone can imagine and it feels incredible to be back season three uh and, and thank you so much to our recurring listeners we love all of uh, everyone that that's been tuning in consistently and we've been growing and for all the new listeners welcome we and uh, welcome aboard we're hopefully going to put out a fire show some great takes and let's just focus on all things notre dame football and it is uh in the words of p wagon duke hate week so dill i'll let you take us right into all the topics well Let's start first. Season is on. Is it going to last? What do you think? <laughs> if you asked me this question last week, I would have said it looks like everything is is quite promising. Uh, I'm going to remain optimistic because that is inherent in the DNA of anyone, any Notre Dame fan. Because uh, if you weren't optimistic, you wouldn't be tuning in each year. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I saw a, a troubling tweet slash report uh, of of the coronavirus cases that tested positive for the Penn State football team. A third of the guys ended up with uh, it, it's a medical term that begins with a with an M. I'm not going to even attempt to botch it in the name of my fiance nurse, <laughs> uh, but essentially it's it's not it it's some something to do with the walls of the heart where it's uh, weakened, essentially a weakened state where most people, most younger, healthy people will probably be okay. And and probably, and again, I'm just kind of speaking relatively ignorantly. So hopefully if we have any doctors, feel free to DM or, or, uh, or tweet at us. Um, but from my understanding, it's something that if monitored, if you, if you keep up with it, it, it can potentially go away in time or something that's not going to ultimately be too serious, but there's also, you know, some serious implications if it can get out of hand. So, um, that was kind of a, Oh crap moment where I was like, uh, you know, I have always been on the side of I'm young, I'm healthy. I don't care if I get this virus. I obviously don't want it, but at the end of the day, like I'm not going to live my life in fear, but at the same time, obviously from all disclosures, be mindful of all the people about it. It's not about you. It's about the people around you. Just be respect mask and, and all that stuff. But yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I still think that it'll power through. Um, but I would be surprised at certain points during this. Most of, if not every team has to reach down into their depth chart at some point in the season. And, and I absolutely a hundred percent wish for everyone to be completely healthy, even Michigan, even though they're not even playing, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll get into that more. 
Um, but yeah, so, so uh, health and wellness to, to everyone and, and obviously best wishes, but yeah, that, that's kind of my original take here is I think the season will go through, but I think you're going to see a lot of depth chart, um, management throughout the season. Oh man. I, I hope the season goes through. I don't know what us college football fans are going to do on Saturdays in the fall because it's not fall without college football. Like I, college football has been part of my life for probably a decade and it's just that's that's september i can when i smell september when i smell mm. the autumn air it's college football time so hopefully we stay good um i wonder how the legitimacy of it will look if two of the conferences aren't playing which is something i want to ask all of you guys and, and specifically you steve um is there going to be like a spring versus winter winner or is this just we're going to have a champion this year and the big Ten's not part of it um i i would just say that there's probably going to be um, they'll probably just play it out this fall. And I mean, not that the Pac-12 would have produced a winner anyway, because they by and large suck, but the big 10, obviously there's some powerhouse names in there, namely Ohio state. Um, yeah. Hey, listen, you, you had a chance to play. You had a chance to opt in. You chose not to, uh, there's still a majority of power five conferences are playing. I don't see how you can see this as illegitimate. Maybe you could put an asterisk, but hey, if, if Notre Dame wins a national championship game, if you want to throw an asterisk on it, that is not going to stop me from partying for a week straight afterwards, and it's not going to be, feel any less real in my mind. So uh, I'm perfectly fine with the way that things are playing out. I, I mean, this is an example of democracy. You you can decide to play. You can decide not to play. You you know you ha- you have the freedom and the liberty to do what you please, and you know, it sucks for the Big 12, Big 10 rather, excuse me, and it sucks for the Pac-12 for, for the kids because I'm sure a lot of them do want to play. But, you know, there's uh, unfortunately, as with all things in life, some politics at play and it kind of sucks. But um, yeah, well, some conference politics too, right? Because you got yeah. Nebraska right now who's fighting tooth and nail to get to play. Um, I wonder if there'll at the time of recording, there's no news on this, but I wonder if there'll be a last ditch effort to get the Big 10 into the football season. Um, if they do, that kind of throws things a little bit into um, a state of flux because Ohio State is expected to be a, a top four team this year. Um, but like I said, and like you said, um, if you win the national championship with three power five conferences in it, it it's a legitimate championship. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to go through Alabama. You're going to have to go through Clemson. You're going to have to go through uh, Oklahoma if need be, perhaps Georgia, um, and the defending champs, of course, the LSU Tigers. So. I think it's going to be a, a really good season. I don't care for any of this spring versus winter championship thing. I think let's just, you're in or you're out. Um, I think there's a chance maybe the whole season gets pushed to the spring if the virus has the second wave and if and if universities can't deal with it. But uh, I'm going to be optimistic, and I, I, I would say let's get in to the depth chart, which was just released today. Lots of surprises. What were your initial uh, takeaways from it? Um, so the grad transfer... Uh, Ben Swarnick, I think Mm -hmm. he came in from Northwestern. Yep. He he is going to be starting at wide receiver in favor of Braden Lindsay. Uh, Avery Davis is getting the call over Lawrence. Shocking. Isn't he a quarterback? He he is a he came in as a QB, uh, you know, QB athlete, and he eventually moved. Uh, he, he's been kind of flip-flopping between running back and uh, and wide receiver, so he obviously is is talented, and and I think. So this is what makes me feel optimistic about it is, is uh, right now we almost have an embarrassment of riches at offense, which has been of recent. We've always had good units here or there, but we've, I feel like we've never been complete. And that's why we've kind of fallen flat in key situations at this point. 
my take is that we have a lot of depth and for Avery Davis to emerge as a starter, uh, it's taken him three years. He w- he came in as a QB originally. Uh, my take on that and w- what I'm seeing with my eyeballs and maybe someone else has some other thoughts. I don't think it's less so that Larry keys is re- you know not ready or, or, you know, can't fill the role because I think he is definitely going to be the real deal. You know, four star out of Louisiana a couple of years back. I, I think this is more so an indictment or not an indictment, but more so uh, a compliment to Avery Davis, you know, adjusting, learning the college game, learning his position and really shining throughout uh, summer camp to, to emerge as the starting role. You know, obviously I, I he earned it. So uh, in Brian Kelly, we trust, but I mean, that's the original thoughts that I have. And, and we're going to go through it all, but you know, I, I'll, I'll pivot to you. If well, you for sure. Um, you just, you sparked my mind there. That's why I was looking up something real quick when you met, uh, talk about, um, Davis here making the switch from quarterback to running back to receiver. It looks like uh, kind of similar to Theo Reddick. If you remember that uh, mm-hmm. that era of Notre Dame football where he started off as a running back and made his way into a really, really good receiver for Notre Dame. And I think that's something I think Davis could uh, could turn out to be. So that's one to keep an eye on, but that was shocking. I thought Lindsey was going to get a role because of how good he was last year. I think he's still going to be that kind of oh, that that trick play specialist. He's going to do a lot of uh, end runs, a lot of jet sweeps. I think he'll be used in the slot. Um, and I mean, look, in the college game, you're going to lose, use a lot of wide receivers. So he's going to get his snaps. And this is just depth chart for week one. Um, but something I did want to mention, too, is that um, you had mentioned our grad transfer from Northwestern. Notre Dame has done a really good job this year of adding depth to this team through grad transfers. Um, he's one of three, including uh, Pryor from Ohio State and then McLeod, a uh, cornerback came from, um, was it Louisville maybe? NC State. Uh, NC State. And it was one of those red schools. Um, <laughs> so so I think that's really cool. That's something new, I think, from the Kelly era is having three transfers to kind of help shore up some spots where we're looking a little thin. Um, but now that we've gotten through that, I want to talk about the tight end position. Um, the winning tight end of the starting role goes to uh, Brock Wright over uh, Tommy Treble. Um, does this surprise you at all, um, just given how Tremble was kind of pretty effective last year? In a manner of speaking, yes, because um, Tremble, was he a true freshman last year? Or at the very least, a sophomore? Like, yeah, he, he was young. He's young. He was relatively young. Uh, he came on the scene as a three-star, uh, and, and I was surprised to see him really emerge last year over Brock Wright. Um, you know, Brock Wright has had a couple of injury issues over the past. I think he had an ankle a couple of years back, but uh, you know, Brock was a four-star tight end. Coming out of borderline, school. borderline five star. Yeah, really and, and so so he was in, incredibly talented, and and I was always kind of like you know, obviously we're we're tight end university at this point, uh, so anyone we have coming in, I, we have so much depth at the position, and and each year we have great recruits. Um, so to see Brock emerge is really cool. He he's a huge body, and I think he can really open up some holes in the uh, in the run game. Um, and, and make no mistake about it. I, I think Tommy is, is still going to get plenty of snaps. He can go out into the wide position, uh, out into the slot because he is uh, a pretty athletic and pretty quick guy. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of two tight end sets or for them to, to rotate regularly. But uh, again, I think it comes down to, an, uh, you know, an embarrassment of riches, so to speak at, at all of our skill positions, which feels yeah. good to know that I think we're in good hands. 
For sure. And I think tight end is one where you're looking at the depth chart and you're like, holy cow, there's a there's a lot of talent here right through. You know, and it's like every year we're recruiting high four star guys to come in and play that position. So I feel really comfortable there. I'm hoping tight end becomes a bigger part of the offense, not in terms of running or run blocking, but just as an offensive weapon. You're seeing this in the NFL a lot now with guys like Kelsey and um, that monster who's playing for uh, for came out of Iowa. Um, anyway, uh, TJ Hacken. Well, him too, but the, the guy who came the year before, Kittle. um, Kittle, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Kittle's an absolute monster too. And I think we're going to see hopefully more of this wide receiver type tight end. And I think in the college game where you have such a discrepancy in, in, in development and size that using those tight ends over those linebackers and DBs would be a pretty effective way to move the ball down the field. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm yeah. pretty hyped up there. And um, I, I do have a, uh, a take after you complete this sentence. I just no, wanted to. Yeah. Oh, no, no, please continue. <laughs> no, Sorry I, was to, in. I was about to move on to another position. So if you oh, get something okay. to say, yeah. go ahead. So just really quickly about the tight end position. Um, Notre Dame, when we have great, output from tight ends in, in any particular game, you'll see that we are, become very highly competitive. I mean, look at what mini Gronk uh, did last year against Georgia or two years ago uh, with, uh, oh geez, what was his name? I was about to say Eifert, but that's obviously long. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, our boy got drafted to the bears. Cole Komet. Yes. Yep. I, I can't remember his name for the life of me. I'm running on like 10 hours of sleep the last th- three days. I'm sorry if I'm drawing a blank here, but, uh, but he had like what eight catches for a hundred yards and a touchdown against Georgia. Uh, the tight end naturally is a comfort position for a QB, especially when you need to establish some rhythm and confidence. So for Ian book, who, uh, at times in the past as a younger developing, uh, quarterback, you know, for him to have someone reliable in the, you know, it was Claypool and, and, uh, last year, obviously as well. Uh, I think it's going to be really important important to establish dominance in the middle of the field with, with tight ends. Uh, it's, you know, just to get some rhythm down to get some, to build, build some confidence, keep drives going. And, and I think against bigger competition, you know, more, uh, better competition, such as Clemson, for an example, if we can really integrate them into the passing game and get them out in the open field, you know, bullying the defensive backs, I think that'll go a long way in, in, you know, to establishing prominence. For sure. And I think one of the things we would have said about Notre Dame this year with concerns would have been the passing attack just with the losses we had. And we'll get into that a little more later. But obviously you lose Cole Komet, you lose a lot of production. I'm not concerned there. I think um, I think we have enough depth. Um, but it will be interesting to see who steps up because there's just there's a lot of balls, there's a lot of targets that are going to be going to guys who didn't get them last year. And it was to some extent it was like that last year as well, right? We only had Claypool coming back that was known. So... I think we'll be fine there, and I really do like our, our depth. So Wright, Tremble, any one of them, um, our Greek kid, uh, was it Takis? I believe um, that's how you say it. Yeah, I, we're going to be good there, um, which wanted, which actually decided to, um, to kind of transition into something where I know we're going to be good this year, and that's the offensive line. Oh, are, we, are we the top offensive line in college football because we're returning five starters and three of them could be first-round picks? You'd have to believe that we're at least a top five. I mean, I'm sure Alabama has a great offensive line, but they're they're usually very unit based and not in you know individuals because you see historically individuals coming out of Alabama going to the pros. They definitely have had some hits and and definitely uh, you know some really good uh, picks, but there's also been a lot that have unfortunately kind of flamed out. Uh, but because they work so well as a as a unit, that it's hard to you know. Uh, 
whatever <laughs> you, you kind of understand why we had there um <laughs> but uh, individually i mean we've had so many great players you know banks Hain- uh eichenberg i mean they are are just really really good robert hainsey uh kramer i, I mean jarrett patterson who is a, a fre- i believe a true freshman last year he came in and, and uh, no he was a redshirted freshman i'm sorry um but he's really established a role as well and for us to pick jarrett patterson out of uh, usc territory and and for him to start so young and to be so prominent um yeah i mean this is is such a good unit and a lot of depth behind those starters as well. So, you know, God forbid any sort of tough scenarios come into play. Uh, I think we're still going to be, I, I don't think we're going to see too, too far of a fall from grace, so to speak. I, I, this is going to be a body moving unit. And these are some big, big fellas that are going to be really impressive. Yeah. And I think that's, it's helpful having the experience because at times last year, I don't think they were super impressive. But I believe Pro Football Focus has graded them the number one offensive line returning and uh, at least top three, top four. Um, and uh, I think that's going to be excellent. It's just the depth too, right? You look at the backups on this two-man depth chart um, that was released today, and it's four-star guys all over the place. It's There's so many good uh, recruits from the last you know two or three recruiting classes who are just backing them up. They're, they're not experienced, let's say, like with snaps, but there is that talent where I should feel comfortable if someone goes down. Um, unless you have anything else to say, I want to move to something interesting that a lot of Notre Dame fans um, were excited about in the last recruiting cycle, which is Chris Tyree. Um, it's interesting that he's listed as the first backup because they said him or him or him or him. Mm-hmm. And he was the first name as a backup. I didn't expect him to win the job right away. But what I want to know is, uh, do you think he's still going to get a lot of snaps um, in this offense um, as a true freshman? Um, if he were to get... 20 snaps a game, not, not touches, but 20 snaps a game, uh, when I will probably have anywhere from 60 to 80 snaps total on the offense. So if he can get in for a, a quarter of the snaps, uh, per game, I, he obviously has a game breaking speed. I think he was like a four, three, almost four, two type of speed, uh, on, on a 40. So, um, you know, you, we saw how Braden Lindsay was able to utilize his speed and, and, uh, you know, he had some great runs. I think that end around against USC really broke the game open. He had uh, a big touchdown bomb that he caught, I think 75 yards against BC, if I remember correctly. So, uh, you know, we can obviously speed kills and, and for him to add that sort of element to the, to the running back position, I don't, and he can go out into the slot too. He's a great pass catcher. So even if you, if you have two running back sets, just like if we have two tight end sets, Sorry, window is open there. Um, yeah, I, I think that if we can get him 10 to 15 touches a game with that many snaps, even if he's on the field and, and he's going to you know take up some coverage or b- draw an extra man into the box, uh, I think he has, even his presence on the field is, is going to be something to, uh, to, to be toiled with. Well, and, and obviously our listeners will know how much I hate running the ball, but it's something you still have to do at some point. And what I like with running the ball is not being predictable. It's not lining up first and 10 in a, you know, in an I formation and running the ball down the middle. It's let's do a jet sweep reverse, you know, with Lindsay and Tyree, you know, there's so much explosive big plays and big plays is really a lot of the times what determines football games. So when you have these explosive plays, which I believe is defined as uh, it's a 15 yard rush or a 20 yard pass, um, you can get that with Tyree because you can do any kind of weird thing with them. Mm-hmm. And and that's what's exciting, too, is not just special teams, but any kind of trickery that this mm-hmm. team can pull. 
and that's really going to be interesting to look forward. I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes the starter throughout the season. He just seems to be that kind of talent. Um, mm-hmm. But it's one to keep an eye on because obviously Notre Dame fans were disappointed when we missed out on a, a five-star running back this cycle. But like we had said, uh, we got a guy who's yeah. a five-star running back that's <laughs> here now. So Absolutely. that's good. Um, and and just think ask, about yeah. the thought because I'm thinking back to the Stanford game when we ran the screen pass to uh, to Tony Jones and he galloped into the end zone practically untouched. We, with this offensive line, if you draw up the right plays and and you know Tommy Reese, Reese is Christ. Uh, you know, if he can, if he can get this offense buzzing and, and really, uh, get these guys out into open field, think about a screen pass, um, you know, where with that offensive line, you know, those hog mollies just paving a path downfield and with his speed, I mean, that, that is going to be some exciting stuff. So I think that adds a whole nother element to the game where we can get very creative. So quick question before we move to the defense. Um, we, I don't think we talked about this. What do you think of Tommy Reese being the full-time offensive coordinator? Love it. Absolutely love it. Like I think it. he did. A, okay. He did a good job uh, in, in the Iowa State game in our bowl game last year. Uh, I mean, there was there was a couple of, um, you know, calls that were, you know, here or there that I, I could have gone without. But, you know, your first game ever as an OC, you're not going to be, uh, you know, Marty Schottenheimer, so to speak. But uh, but no, I, I you know, Reese was always a brilliant mind at the QB position uh, You know when he was playing. You know, I, I know that he got a uh, a lot of flack for being quote unquote term, turnover Tommy, but uh, I think a lot of that was systemic for the entire system overall and the team that we had and the talent back then. Uh, now he he has all the talent in the world. He is a brilliant mind. He's incredibly incredibly smart and sees the game so well. So if he can uh, it, you know kind of imbue some of that knowledge and and that insight into uh, into our leader and Heisman candidate at QB, Ian Book, who's the greatest QB of all time, and nobody else that has ever come through and transferred recently could ever get that title because I'm just bitter. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's an exciting unit for sure, and I'm really, uh, I'm really excited to see what Tom brings to the table, and I'm high on him right now. Yeah, I remember not being too excited about it at the time, but he had performed really well in that Iowa State game, and I think as a former quarterback, um, hopefully that means we'll be throwing the ball more, which uh, I can only be hopeful for, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, it's going to be an interesting first season. It's very uh, a big risk for Kelly to kind of roll with uh, uh, you know, a guy who's never coached before in a serious position, mm-hmm. um, but he's got a good relationship with Book. He's got a good relationship with a lot of the players is what um, the rumor is, at least, is that a lot of people like him, mm-hmm. so I think it's going to be a, a good a good experiment for a very interesting season mm-hmm. uh but let's look at the defensive side of the ball how do you feel about defi- defensive line you know our edge group and our defensive tackles i want to get into the defensive line in two seconds one thought okay. i had with looking at the the running back position in the depth chart something that was very surprising and i don't know if this is injury or just failure to adapt uh, where the other guys are just workhorses uh, ahead of him jafar armstrong Looks like he's dropped uh, tentatively to the bottom of the uh, of the pack of the running backs, uh, where as he was basically splitting time and at some t- at some points our starter last year. So uh, for Jafar to drop that low, I'm not sure if it's him underperforming or if it's the other guys overperforming. I mean, Kyron Williams is going to be our starter, and Kyron was out of Missouri, a four star, and he was an absolute wagon. I, I think he was a three star that that got upgraded. Um, and yeah, so that, that was just a, a little bit surprising to see, you know, Jameer Smith and Sebo Flemister kind of jump up there. So uh, was there any thoughts on Jafar uh, kind of dropping down a bit or is uh, any thoughts you had before we get into the D-line? 
I would say it's a, indicative of how depth, the amount of depth we have at the running back position, which kind of, it, it's a good thing, but it means that uh, you can keep them all fresh. And if anyone gets hurt, you don't really have to worry about it because it is a position where um, it may not matter who's running the ball. It's more scheme and offensive line driven. So mm-hmm. to have Armstrong as your fourth or fifth guy, I liked him. I thought he was good last year. Um, yeah. I just think that's that speaks to how much depth we have right now on the offense. Perfect. Yeah, let's keep that positivity going. So uh, just kind of transitioning into the defensive line like you uh, wanted to originally. Sorry for cutting you off on that. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously we lost Khalid Kareem. We lost Julian Aquara. Those guys were absolute animals coming off the defensive end, and, and uh, it's really cool to see them. You know, now transitioning into the NFL, and, and it's going to be fun to watch them on Sundays. But, uh, you know, Adi Ogundeji is someone who is is probably one of my favorite players on the team. He has been for a couple of years. He's He's been a role player, uh, but boy, oh boy, is he an athletic specimen. I think he's like 6'5", 2-something, and he, yep. he moves like a linebacker. He truly does. Uh, he almost three, kind of three and a half sacks, by the way, last year. From, yeah, uh, yeah. Depth, and, and I think one of them was a stack fumble. Uh, so he he can get in there, and he can really blow up plays. He can get after the QB. I love Adi Ogundeji, um, and I'm very high on him. And, and this, hopefully, is going to be his breakout year. Uh, let's see. I mean, Kurt Heinisch is, is going to be plugging up the middle with uh, with the big bowling ball, Jacob Lacey, right behind him. Uh, you know, I'm at, glad Heinisch came back. I'm mm-hmm. glad Heinisch came, oh. came back just because um, I felt like our DL group was a little thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, keeping those guys kind of in the interior, I think is, is pretty exciting. Absolutely. And, and we have so much depth behind them. I mean, Howard Cross, Jason Adimanola, uh, I mean, Myron Tagliavoa Amosa is going to be starting at D tackle as well. And, and he's very experienced at this point. Uh, he's also shown some flashes of brilliance. Obviously these guys are getting onto the field full time. So I, I would love to see a lot of consistency to them because when you play in, in, you know, quick flashes, it's easy to look great because you're fresh and, you know, you get in a change up of you know, the, the offensive line is getting a change of look. So sometimes, you know, those guys on, uh, you know, subbing in will will actually have a little bit more legs. So to see them, you know, play a full game would really like to see them kind of establish dominance and, and really control the trenches, which I think that if you go straight through every single position on the defensive line, I don't think we have the star power, so to speak, of, of Aquara and and. Um, uh, I just said his name a minute ago, and I'm, again, I'm sorry for blanking today. Uh, but it it definitely, I think, more so this is going to be more unit based than star power based, and and hopefully that again translates into uh, to really good D line play. And any thoughts that you had? No, not really. That's just the one where I was. If I look at this defense, where I'm a little concerned, but there seems to be depth across. I mean, your boy Isaiah Foskey is listed kind of mm-hmm. across the D-line, so I think yeah. he's going to get some snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy you were thinking of was Khalid Kareem, by the way. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's going to be a monster wherever he lands or I wherever th- he lands. I think he's in um, Detroit. He could be. Or no, Julian went there. Julian did, so I think he brother. went to Chicago. I don't know, man. I, it's like, I love the... I loved him as a prospect. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's been crazy to, you know, I'm, I'm so almost out of touch because of the virus. It almost didn't feel like this was going to happen. And then all, all of a sudden I woke up after, you know, a, a Labor Day weekend. I'm like, oh my God, we have college football literally next weekend. So, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> so I'm not it's on my game as, as I usually am. And, and apologies to our listeners, but, but uh, you know, just kind of rolling along here and focusing on something really quick. A, a note about the de- defensive line. 
on top of all the talent we have there, we have a injured true sophomore, Nana Osofa Mensa. He's only out six weeks. I think he had some sort of a knee bang up. I don't think it was a, it was not a tear. I think it was more so a strain or, or something uh, semi-serious, but not too bad. So he will be back mid-season. And uh, I, he was a really, really, really good four-star prospect out of Texas a couple of years back. So uh, you know, him and Foskey are both going to be, I think, our future. And I'm really excited to see those guys get some snaps this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, again, it, it's it's definitely going to be unit based and and it's all hands on deck. And there's I prob- probably going to be a slight drop off this year in terms of defensive line, quote unquote, production. But I, I think that, you know, there's the pieces around them backing them up. That's going to prove to see, you know, put them in a position to, to create some success. Yeah, just before we go on, I, you said something that just really made a lot of sense, and it's just, do, doesn't this feel like such a weird year, as coronavirus aside, where it, it's not hyped up the season? Like, in August, we usually do our preview, we're getting hyped up, we're getting, like, the mm-hmm. blue wooden, or we're getting, like, practice reports, and, like, all of a sudden, it's September, and the season starts, and it's like, yeah. oh, let's yeah. get we, excited. We usually, I, I think historically, we've done maybe three, four five podcasts throughout the summer, just kind of checking in, letting people know about the spring game. You know, we go through, you know, summer camp, we go through uh, position battles and the whole nine and, and even recruiting. Uh, we're not going to have m- much recruiting talk today and we're going to definitely get into that more so in the future. Um, but yeah, so this, this kind of did sneak up on, I think everyone, not just, uh, not just us, right. but we're here and we made it and it, it just feels so damn good it's to talk so about good. Game football. It's so good. <laughs> I'm so glad it's looking like it's going through. But another thing, and that kind of leads into this, is that we haven't had many injuries, and I wonder if that's probably because of the virus. But it, it always seems like one, one or two big players we just lose for the season in in, mm-hmm. in preseason training. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I also want to ask you is, and I always forget it if it was um, which receiver it was last year who was unofficially officially suspended for four games. Kevin Austin. Um, did he transfer? I didn't see him on the, or maybe I overlooked him, because um, I thought we lost one of our receivers in the uh, portal. I don't think that Kevin Austin is uh, on the transfer portal, and I can look that up now just to fact check. Uh, I, I think it's more so been off the field stuff, and I, I from what I've seen, uh, there were reports that he was practicing, and he was very, very good. Uh, mm. in practice is, is what I've seen, you know, from a couple of tweets like Pete Sampson, as an example, um, who's a, a great follow on Twitter. If you are in the Notre Dame sphere. Um, so I, I, I definitely saw his name pop up. I was surprised not to see him on the depth chart and, and I'm going to, you know, look into him a little bit more as, as you speak, uh, you know, about again, just the general, uh, depth chart here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I think the overall point is our losses have been mitigated this summer in terms of, you know, not having a fully fit and fully uh, at our peak squad. Um, But, you know, one thing I did want to get into as you're looking that up um, is the secondary and specifically at corner. We thought that was going to be a group to be slightly concerned about and, Looking at the depth chart, I feel kind of good about corner. I feel pretty good about the secondary in general. I'm going to let you hop in um, with uh, with Austin. Quick callback. Yep. Uh, so with Kevin, it looks like in August he had 
a uh, metastoral fracture in his ankle or left foot rather. So that's why he's not on because he's one of the quote unquote, the, you know, the big injuries that, that inevitably right. happen each year. So it, you know, usually a broken foot is about six to eight. So he'll probably be back mid season. And from what I, again, what I saw is he was in some pretty fine form in camp. So obviously we wish him a speedy recovery and I would love to finally see him out there making plays because it, it's uh, he feels like one of those recruits that, can make such a freaking impact. And we were looking so forward to him as a true freshman. And, you know, there's been some turmoil, but uh, good things are on the horizon. Let's keep some positive well, thinking. For sure. Forward. And that's where the grad transfer comes in really handy in terms of depth is he can fill right in for, for Austin. Um, but yeah, so DBs, um, I think it's a huge sign that McLeod won the job and he won, it was listed as the first cornerback. Um, that's the grad transfer out of NC State. Um, the reason I bring that up is that he pushes uh, Sean Crawford in his ninth season at Notre Dame. <laughs> he pushes Sean Crawford to strong safety, which is really interesting because the way Notre Dame plays is a quick reminder for everyone. We play a, a rover, so we play a 4-2-5. So we have four defensive linemen, two linebackers, and then five DBs with a hybrid rover position acting as a linebacker safety hybrid. So we essentially have three safeties out there, but Crawford is a cornerback. And what's really interesting is that he's listed as the strong safety, but that's another coverage guy. We have another coverage guy in the secondary, which is super interesting because, you know, obviously stopping the passing game is so important. And when you have two corners and one of the safeties who is essentially a third corner, I think that is really really interesting going into the season i want to know if you had any thoughts about how mcleod pushes crawford over and what that means for the scheme yeah and historically crawford has been a slot corner uh nickelback type of guy and, and uh, again with our four two five stack he he fit so well into that and we he got plenty of time so even as a an official third corner he was absolutely integral and and when he's healthy he's obviously had some health problems in the past when he was healthy uh, the the tangible difference that you saw with that team uh, you know, game after game, drive after drive was was so real. You could just tell there were there was some sort of confidence that was built by having him on the field. Uh, Greg Flamang, I believe, is how you say his name. Again, another uh, Notre Dame guy to follow on Twitter. He often has great insight. Did say something along the lines of, "It, it this could potentially be something where you're going to have." Uh, him sitting back at the safety position, able to keep his eyes on the ball, on the quarterback at all times, and really step up to make some plays. And especially with an absolute rocket, like Kyle Hamilton basically controlling center field, who will we'll obviously focus on him more, uh, who is basically sent by God himself to, to help this defense. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta be confident that, you know, Crawford as that safety can kind of, you know, jump up a little bit, uh, and, and help out, um, you know, in the box with the run game. And, and also he's, he's, you know, with his, you know, f- facing the QB going to hopefully be able to, uh, you know, transform into a huge playmaker because he's experienced. This is legitimately his sixth year. I know we joke that it's nine, but so he's, uh, he's very well developed. He has a, a nose for the ball. He's, he's a baller. He's a gamer. And I, I think if we have a, a, you know, a full healthy season with, with this entire secondary, I, I honestly don't even know how someone's going to complete a single pass against them, frankly. Well, and that's something I wanted to, to get into, too, is it looks like this coaching staff is committing to a 
stop the pass secondary, which is, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. We have five ball makers out there who are not going to let you throw the ball. When you have your cornerback as a safety, who guy who's specifically good in tight coverage because he's played slot corner, I love it. I think it's excellent. But something is surprising is that the transfer from Ohio State, Isaiah Pryor, is listed as the backup to Kyle Hamilton. I thought he would have been the starter at strong safety. But that just shows you the depth we have because he's a good player. He was a really yeah. good, exciting pickup. And then you got, obviously, a high, high four-star, borderline five-star guy in Houston Griffiths um, who has yet to kind of break through. And I remember when we started this podcast, I think we both listed as him as one of those freshmen we thought we were going to see. So Absolutely. here we are three years later kind of hoping to kind of get that breakout. But, man, the depth in the secondary, it, yeah. I thought it was going to be maybe a weakness, and it looks like it's an absolute strength. If, Absolutely. if of course, McLeod holds his own as the, as the number one CB, and obviously Tariq Bracey, I think with his natural development, should be absolutely fine uh, on the other boundary there. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm looking forward to that, and I think that should lead us to our, kind of our last point on the depth chart. Where are we strong and where are we weak in, in your mind going into this season? Yeah, um, <laughs> to find a weakness is honestly so, so hard. Uh, I, I, I guess you would point to the defensive uh, on, on both sides of the ball. I think we'll on the offense, uh, we'll, we'll, that'll be the running back position. Uh, there's a lot of depth there. There's a lot of talent, you know, just coming through the recruiting portal over the last couple of years. Um, and, and to see Kyron Williams kind of jump his way up to the top, you know, I, I think he is definitely has the potential to be a baller. Um, as you've rightly pointed out many times, if you get shut down with the run, it's not the end of the world because we have a lot of talent at wide receiver, uh, a a lot of unproven talent at wide receiver. Uh, but it is going to be nice to have, um, Javon McKinley really take uh, you know a senior leadership role and and really see him get in a full season because he had some flashes of brilliance himself last year. So uh, I I would say uh, running back on the offensive side of the ball, even though there's again so much upside with you know Kyren taking the lead, Chris Tyree and and you know the, the whole squad, uh, and then with the the big bodies in front of them, I think we can definitely have an, a good running game. And then on the defensive side of the ball, it, you you do have to obviously right at the top say that the defensive line. It did take a, a drop off talent wise as we as we've obviously discussed just a couple minutes ago. But uh, there's again, there's still the talent. There's absolutely the depth, and uh, we might not have the superstar power, but as previously established, that is going to be a, a pretty good unit. And if they can all work together, I think uh, even though they are quote unquote the weak link, you know, there in in theory you have a secondary that's going to give them so much time to get after the quarterback. And if, if uh, I think honestly, if we can just focus on stopping the run, then like sacks and, and, and pressure on in the passing game are naturally going to happen because of the secondary. So mm-hmm. I don't know how these guys are going to do against the run, but hopefully, you know, they, they hold their own. Excellent. I mean, I agree with you on the defensive side of the ball. I think offensively, I would say wide receiver just because we don't know the talent mm-hmm. there. It's not that there's no talent. It's just that there's no star power, similar to the defensive line. I wonder, who is Book going to look to this year, right? Last year, it was Claypool. The year before that, it was uh, our boy from the Baltimore Ravens, Miles. Uh, isn't it Miles? Boykin. Miles Boykin. Boykin. Miles Boykin. There we go. Thank you. We're both pretty bad for names today. Um <laughs> 
So who is it going to be this year? Is it going to be McKinley? Is it going to be Wright? Is it going to be Lindsay? I don't know where they're going to go with it. And that's just a little concerning if I'm Notre Dame looking into the season is, okay, where's the actual passing attack going through? Mm. If it's spread out, that's fine. Because Ian Book, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, he's going to, our season goes as far as Ian Book takes us. Um, so having that, those weapons and where he goes is going to be very interesting. So it's not ideally a weakness, but it's uh, it's an area of concern or area to watch for in terms of strength and it's funny that you didn't even mention strength you went straight to weakness because that's that's that negativity over there Stephen. no not me you will never <laughs> find a negative thought in my brain when it comes to notre dame football not anymore from season one to season three you're totally radically different <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in terms of strength obviously the quarterback position is going to be huge the offensive line group is going to be huge on the defensive side of the ball, we didn't even talk about them because I was saving them for this section. Our linebackers look absolutely sexy. That is a really nice group out there. Our rover position looks great. Um, I like both the Mike and the Buck. I think uh, I think it's going to be a very agile group, someone that's a lot faster than previous years because uh, I believe Shane Simon, did he get a starting position? He did at the uh, Buck. At the buck, and if I recall, Shane Simon is an athlete. He is a baller up there. Yes, he is. So Shane Simon, I like Drew White, uh, and then obviously Amusu Kamora. I, I love him too. So I think linebacker is actually going to be a strength. So I think concern about maybe the run stop on the defensive line is kind of mitigated by those by those guys there. And mm-hmm. I like their their mobileness, their agility, their athleticism to play in coverage as well. And especially when it's passing downs, maybe you'll take a linebacker out and you'll add one of our thousand secondary players. (laughs) And I just think that's going to be so hard for teams when they play Notre Dame and they're facing second and 13 and third and 10. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. Exactly. Correct. I think if you, if you are anything sec, if you're, if it's second down and you have, seven or more yards to go you're in a very very hard position to move the ball against this notre dame defense Uh, i mean if if we can win first down then that means we're we're pretty much more often than not going to be winning the series um i mean there's so much talent there the joker uh jok yeah jeremiah owusukoromora he's preliminary looked at as basically a first team all-american and a lot of people are are high on him to potentially be uh, a day one draft choice and i would love to see that you know he's been someone who's had obviously again flashes of brilliance and he's definitely been one of the up-and-comers and and kind of a a solid staple of the defense in the past and with the departure of some of the other star power as of uh, as of recent you know this is kind of his year to really just take over and make this this season, his bitch, so to speak. So, and <laughs> he is an absolute athletic specimen. He is a freak. You know, he's he's coming in at six one and a half, two fifteen. So he's one of those hybrid guys where he he almost plays as you know, kind of a a safety, uh, you know, slash linebacker that also is is good in coverage, but he can strip the ball away from a, a you know a, a ball carrier. He can he can lay a big hit. He can get after the quarterback. So you're absolutely right. I mean, this uh, you know the the front seven. Uh, is our quote unquote, you know, worrisome, uh, part of this defense. But with those, with that unit, I mean, holy crap, they are going to be uh, very solid, very, very solid. And it's very exciting. 
For sure. And with Bo Bauer there, you got at least four guys that I feel comfortable with at the linebacking position. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another thing, too, with depth, right? And, and and obviously, we just talked about how great the secondary is. But when you look at the, the backups to the center backs, you get Cam Hart, a sophomore, and Clarence Lewis, a freshman. I don't know who either of those two guys are, which is a little concerning. But at the same time, if any of these corners go down, you know damn well that Sean Crawford is moving back to corner or Houston Griffiths <laughs> is moving to corner. Yeah. So I'm not too, too concerned when you consider those safeties in there. I think a lot of the safety depth is also corner depth. So I feel good overall. But it does go to say that we have a lot of unknowns in those positions of strength, even in linebacker, other than Bo Bauer, um, I'm looking at uh, Maris Liafau and then Paul Moala. Uh, can't say I know too much about them. I think that's going to be positions where we'll learn a lot and they'll obviously have to take a, a bigger role next year with, with players losing. But um, just something to keep ourselves not too, uh, not too excited, not too optimistic. Nonsense. We're very optimistic this year. Yeah, Maris Lafu, I believe, uh, comes from uh, Hawaii. Uh, he was a kind of a three-star guy, more uh, more of a, an athlete more than anything. He's he's I think jumped up a, a you know some weight. He's he's packed on some pounds in the in the weight room over the off season. I, I didn't see the exact numbers, but I know he he threw some on, which is good, obviously. Um, so. It, the last time we had a linebacker out of uh, Hawaii, it, it, things turned out pretty well for that. And and Paul Mawala also, uh, he's he's Samoan. Uh, Samoans, for one reason or another, tend to be very good defensively. I don't know what's in the water down there, but uh, no, he was also kind of a three-star guy. He was a safety that you know that did convert over the course of time as he juiced up. So, uh, and that's kind of one of those guys that long term as you know the depth chart shakes out over the next two three four years uh he could end up see, we can see him at the the starting role for Ro- rover depending on you know how recruiting goes and how deve- roster development goes but i those are guys they're relatively quote unquote unknown but from everything i've been seeing and tracking over the last couple of years uh high upside which is something exciting to think about yeah i i think overall i'm pretty happy and I think that should transition us into our season preview as we kind of get near the end of uh, our first episode of season three. So now that we've looked at our depth chart across the board, we've kind of covered where we're strong, where we're weak. Let's take a look at the schedule. Um, so I got this pulled up right here. We're playing 11 games this year. I know, obviously, I, I had to look this up, so I imagine a lot of Notre Dame fans are pretty confused about what the hell's going on. So we're <laughs> playing an ACC schedule with one uh, non-conference game that's going to be South Florida in week two. So we're playing Duke this week. We're playing South Florida next week. Both are at home. Then we go on the road to Wake Forest. We come back home to Florida State. Then we go. We stay at home in South Bend to Louisville. Then we go to Pitt uh, October 24th. Then we go to Georgia Tech October 31st. Then we're at home to Clemson, the big game. Then we're on the road to Boston College. Then we have a bye week, and then we're on the road to North Carolina, and then we finish the season at home against Syracuse. There are only two ranked teams on the schedule in preseason. That is Clemson and North Carolina. Steve, what do you think? What do you feel when I run down that schedule? 11 wins, no losses. This is, and as every Notre Dame year, every, every September, Every Notre Dame fan thinks the same thing. This this is the team. We are going undefeated. We have a decent schedule. It's it's hilarious that the one year that we join a conference, our schedule gets easier. Easier. Uh, this, yep. yep. Um, 
I, I think at the very least we're contending for a conference championship game against yeah. obviously Clemson uh, yeah. by the time December rolls around. Um, yeah, I mean, just going through, uh, and we'll focus more so on the Duke game in, in more depth here in a couple minutes, but I mean, Duke, you, you have to see that we're favored. Same with uh, South Florida. Wake Forest, I mean, they're kind of just not where they were a, a decade ago when they had some frisky teams. Florida State, same logic applies there. Louisville uh, can be problematic, but at least we got them at home. Hopefully we can kind of pump in crowd noise. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be a bit of a more of a baller team. They gave us a little bit of a headache last year, although we did obviously come up with the win. Pittsburgh is always a pain in the ass. Uh, but it's, again, you know, it, we have so much freaking talent that it, it just would be an, an absolute heartbreak loss to lose to them, as with any team on the schedule, truly. Uh, Georgia Tech is kind of one of those you know, maybe top 40 bubble teams that, you know, we'll usually put in a decent season, but we are just kind of leaps and bounds ahead of them talent wise. There's the big one, uh, at home against Clemson. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the numbers came out that Kyle Hamilton last year in his true freshman year had a 1.3 passer rating against when thrown at and he had <laughs> i think three or four interceptions i don't fundamentally understand how trevor lawrence is going to figure that out that's going to be a tough one for, because for sure. we, we had trevor lawrence on the ropes until friggin you know uh not bryce love um julian love went down in that playoff game a couple years back i mean we we were hitting him we were getting after him we, he was keeping all of his throws short and then, of course, uh, a some certain someone comes into the game after Julian Love goes down, and that particular certain someone, who will will not name by name, uh, gave up like two long passing touchdowns, and and the you know the secondary broke down, and that's when they were you know when when Trevor Lawrence was start was able to start going over the top. I don't see how he can go over the top. I don't see how any quarterback can go over the top and stretch this this Notre Dame defense thin. Um, so everything is going to be in front of us. And then if everything is in front of us, I mean, those linebackers are no joke. And it, it just, it just feels like this is the team. It just feels like this is a year. It just, I, I, we are, if we stay healthy, if, if we, if Kyle, our savior on defense is going to, is going to play all 11 games and then obviously, uh, so forth into potentially conference championship and, and playoffs. I mean, I, I yeah, obviously Clemson's an absolute phenomenal program, but I think we got it. I I do, I really do. Um, you know, then we go to to uh, to Boston College on the road. I'm gonna try to make it to that game if they're even admitting fans. I'm sure I'll probably pay an arm and a leg to get into the stadium if I'm even able to. But I mean, uh, Boston College has just a, a really inferior quarterback who really is probably just not even gonna be able to throw the ball at all. He's he no stinks, bias. Stinks out loud guy he he has a flabby arm stinks uh so we should be able to win that game unc again you know kind of same logic as georgia tech just kind of a team that sometimes puts together a decent season but we're just so much better talent wise syracuse um they've they've put together some good teams as of late and every once in a while they're good for an upset so 
you know, I'll preliminarily put us on upset watch against uh, Syracuse, but again, no reason why we cannot win that game whatsoever. We so I'm I'm seeing a clean sweep. I really am, and I, I've probably said that since every single year since like 2004. Right. <laughs> so, well, you have to, of course. You you have to. You have to. I mean, hope springs eternal uh, in September for your Notre Dame fan, and and I'm I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic, and this team is so. so I see them going undefeated. All right, I was gonna say hold the horses a little bit. <laughs> I just wanted to to I, ask some other things before you give me a game by game, but I appreciate it, and we've gotten that out of the way. We've yeah. got that out of the way early. Um, I wanted to ask you what you think Notre Dame's uh, over under for win loss record is this year. What do you think Vegas has it set at? I you you would be foolish not to set it at nine and a half if you are better, uh, and and I think. I think you have to go at, with the over, uh, just talent-wise, and, and the way that the schedule uh, goes up. So, I, me personally, I, I think it's it's uh, it's ten and a half is, is what it should be. Um, right. Vegas will probably make it nine and a half, but I, I think we're probably somewhere in that territory. So yeah, of course, for the listeners, just remember we're playing eleven games, not twelve, so the the number is lower than usual. Um, they set it at nine even. I've I don't often see whole numbers as over unders. Usually, it's nine and a half, something mm-hmm. like that. But if the line is nine, I like the over there. I would like it at over nine and a half as well. I think there is one game where Notre Dame is expected to lose. And then you always account for one more fluke thing happening. So I understand nine and a half being a fun number um, or ten and a half even being a fun number. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so we're at nine. I like the over there, and I couldn't find odds on all the games. Um, but I imagine Notre Dame is favored. Uh, obviously, at North Carolina might be interesting because that's on the road and it's a ranked team. But I would still think the Irish are favored there. The only game where we're not favored is obviously Clemson. Where do you think the line should be at this point in preseason for Notre Dame Clemson? Uh, I think you got to give Clemson six and a half. Right. Normal. Normally, it would be three and a half. Um, I, I would say if, if we were underdogs, I think there people are going to overvalue Clemson there just because historically over the last three, four years, and obviously everyone, you know, kind of gargles on the balls of, of their QB Trevor Lawrence. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd say it's probably going to be anywhere from six and a half to nine and a half when, 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 uh, when they come to town, uh, preliminary, that's probably where it's at now. And obviously the numbers may move as we get deeper into the season. I'm trying to find it. I can't. I can only see predictions for the line. Um, so usually you give three to the home team, but because we don't know if there's going to be fans at the game or if it'll even be... I think Notre Dame's planning on giving 20% tickets to family and friends and students. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'll still be a crowd, so I don't know if you'll give them the full three. That'll be very interesting to see how betting works this year with the crowds. They, if they cannot pump in crowd noise, that's such bullshit, just as a side note. Well, and that's what's so, such a shame about this season being lost for fans is because you get that Clemson game. That's the chance to beat Clemson is at home under the lights in November with the crowd. I think Notre Dame wins that game, but with 20% of the crowd, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I would say the line should be probably, you know, like you said, six and a half to nine, I think would be the line. Um, that's going to be an interesting one. Um, obviously that's the big game, but I want to get your opinion. Are there any games to worry about any trap games? Yeah. I mean, just, uh, I, I, I don't think I. I guess we should be concerned and don't overlook any teams by any means. If 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 you're a player, clearly or a coach, but uh, I, I I'm not particularly worried about UNC. Um, I mean I know that they have 
they, they on occasion just being in the southeast will will obviously pick up some pretty decent talent year after year but all things considered they're usually a perennial seven eight win team uh in in a normal 12 game season i just I think don't... it's after hurricane season too that's yeah. late november so oh, we can avoid we can avoid the monsoons Ugh, that's ptsd um, right there yeah i i don't know so i i would say right now syracuse is the potential trap but even i don't know because there's no no game after it so i don't know even know if you could qualify it as a trap game but at least something to watch for in terms of upset so for me, um, I listed Pitt away because Pitt always plays us tough. That's a road mm-hmm. game um, that is coming off of a Louisville game. So that could be an interesting one. Um, another one I listed was obviously UNC because that is a road game against a ranked team. The question I want to ask people, especially people who've lived through the 90s, which is not really either of us, should we be afraid of playing Boston College a week after a big game against the number one ranked team because obviously in 1993, the Irish beat Florida State in game of the century, but lose to Boston College the following week, which cost them the national championship. We're playing Boston College after Clemson. Are you afraid? Should we be afraid? What are your thoughts? I think they're going to have negative throwing yards against us because their quarterback stinks. All right. I appreciate that completely objective opinion. Um, <laughs> but you guys, listeners, let us know what you think about Boston College. And, and is that giving you some trauma just seeing that? Um, but in terms of record predictions, obviously you've just ran by your schedule, gave me yours. I mean, I'm never not going to say Notre Dame's going undefeated. We're, we're always going undefeated. I have us 11-0. Obviously the big game is Clemson. Um, I think we do win that game. I think in November with fans there, a good, uh, secondary, obviously we have to know with injuries and what everything looks like for all we know, Trevor Lawrence could be could be incapacitated um, for that game. So we don't we don't know. But I like 11-0. I think it's possible for sure. I think we'll be favored in 10 games. So anything could happen at Notre Dame. We, we tend not to get blown out in regular season games, even against ranked teams. Um, so I think that'll be a fun game. But something I want to ask you quickly before we do the obvious Duke preview here. Do you think if we win that game, but obviously play Clemson in the championship, because I don't think there's really a debate of who's the ACC championship game is going to be. Yeah. Do you think if we win the first one and lose the second, we still get into the playoff? And the reverse, what if we lose the first and win the second? You know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you lose the first and win, to, and win the second and, and are the ACC champion, you're clearly into the playoff. And and if, that's the, if we are going to drop one, that's probably the way that I would want to go about it. Um, you know, winning the first one, then losing the second one, it's got to be a very tight loss. And then obviously the landscape of, uh, of college football with other teams, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be on the bubble. There's, there's less teams this year to compete Absolutely. in those spots, but the schedule's weaker. It's a, such a trade off this season for Notre Dame is can we afford to lose a game? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm afraid cause I think we do win that game in South Bend, but I, I don't know if we can beat Clemson twice. And I'm a little afraid about the ACC title game. I think it's possible we go 11 and one. And can you still get in with an ACC title loss? Clemson obviously ranks ahead of you, um, but Cle- but where do you- Clemson goes, what third, and we go fourth, maybe? Um, that's going to be interesting to follow. And obviously, listeners of the show know that I follow the playoff committee. I'm trying to be their voodoo interpreter, um, what they're going to do. So we'll be following that all year. What we're going to have to do to get in. But that's an interesting one for for you listeners at home. Let us know too. Do you think we can beat Clemson in November, lose to them in the title game, and still get into the playoff? 
Um, but that's just something I want to briefly cover before we do the Duke preview. Obviously, we're running uh, pretty much, I think, towards the end of the podcast here, which I'm so excited. We got through a lot, um, which is awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Unless you have anything else to say about the schedule, shall we get into week one? No, let's let's go right into it. All right. I have all the stats and figures as per usual here. Duke went five and seven last year. They were three and five in the ACC. They were not a good team. They lost or they won key wins. We'll do first. They beat Virginia Tech on the road and they beat Miami at home, suggesting that, you know, there's potential here for something. Um, their key loss to Notre Dame was 38 to seven. Um, so we've played them last year. We absolutely brutalized them. Um, so that's just an important one to to keep in mind. Duke last year was ranked 68th in our favorite S&P Plus. Uh, that's an advanced metric which, regular, which uh, you know, measures efficiency. They were the 112th offense and the 36th defense. So good or terrible offense, good defense. Um, this season, they're ranked 39th in ESPN's FPI. Um, from what I could research about them, they were a very young team last year. They're returning almost all of their offensive line and most of their team to begin with, so that's interesting. Their quarterback is a transfer from Clemson. He's been named their starter. I think things point to Duke being a lot better this year. They're not going to be a five-win team. They're going to be a bowl team. How much better they get, I don't I don't know. Uh, interesting to note, though, uh, Pro Football Focus has ranked edge player Chris Rumpf II out of Duke as their seventh highest returning player in all of college football. He is an absolute beast on the edge. That's something Notre Dame is going to have to look out for in this game. But that's the Duke side of things. Duke was bad last year. They should be better this year. They're returning a lot of, a lot of players. Notre Dame, obviously, our listeners will be familiar with. We went 11-2, and 5-0 in the ACC last year. Uh, we were 19th in S&P+, 20th offense, 22nd defense, which goes to show how balanced we were as a team. And we're 11th this season in ESPN's FPI compared to 39th for Duke. So with all that being said, all the all the information is out there. How are you feeling about Duke? Are you worried at all? Do you think maybe the returners could be a problem? Or do you think this is going to be another 38-7 to game? I don't think it's going to quite be 38-7. to uh, And I think this is going to be inherently a little bit more of a sloppy game, just given that uh, there's been practice limitations and restrictions, and we're in kind of this you know, twilight zone type of year. Um, but with that being said, I still think we are at least a two-touchdown victory. Um, you know, I, 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 There's just too many weapons, and we just have too much talent on the defensive side of the ball to, to keep them into this game past the third quarter. Uh, I, I think this is pretty much over by the, the middle or end of the third, and then we can kind of just coast and, and just get Brendan Clark in there after Bookie has an incredible game uh, and, and, and Bookie we trust. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's that's pretty much my thoughts on it. Uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they gave us a little bit of trouble early, again, just because we're, we might be a little bit inherently sloppy. Uh, but talent and uh, coaching are going to be – start to prevail i'd say uh beginning of the second quarter and that's when the, the tides will turn and we should just kind of put them in the dust how about you do you, have, do you have a score prediction for me uh if i were to predict a score i'm gonna go notre dame 31 and 31 13 31 13 i got it 38 13 irish i think uh the game gets a little closer but i think we're too good i think uh, we're depth across the field the key matchup will be the offensive line versus their defensive line uh, duke had a good defense last year they're returning a lot so if, if our offensive line holds 
I uh, I think we're going to win the game. I think the offense won't be firing on all cylinders quite yet because we are going to be sloppy. Uh, plus, it's a young receiver group. Book's got to find some chemistry. So I don't expect a 40, 50-point game, which I will in later in later weeks. 100%. I think, I think this will be a very good performance, but we're not going to be totally happy. I think there will be some fans complaining about some things. It might be close for a little too long. Uh, but I think the defense is going to be solid. I think uh, they're fresh or they're not freshman quarterback, but their fresh-faced quarterback. Obviously, a transfer from Clemson is going to get his first real game. Not sure that's going to go well for him. And I think Book is going to have a, a very solid performance. We're, look, guys, we're going as far as Book takes us. If Book plays like the Iowa State Bowl game Book, he is a Heisman contender and Notre Dame is winning a fucking title. If he's not, if he's kind of like he was for a lot of last season where he was solid, but he was, you know, Virginia Tech game. Between the twentieth and the fifteenth best quarterback, or even worse, I this could be a problem. So we're gonna go as far as book goes. I think he's gonna play well. I think the offensive line is gonna protect him, and hopefully, like you said, hopefully we get our backup in there early. Um, we do gotta give obviously P wagons hot spicy takes, as you guys can imagine. Knowing him, uh, there was lots of optimism. I think uh, I'm just trying to find the. the <laughs> the score <Red>. predictions. Um, <laughs> he definitely predicted 11-0 with an ACC title because that is P-Wagon. Uh, the actual quote is undefeated ACC champs, national champs, bring it on. That's that P-Wagon optimism we love. And then for the score, he goes 35-17 Irish, um, which I think I is a good one. Um, let us know, you guys at home listening, give us your score predictions. Give us who you think is going to be player of the game. Give us your season predictions. Give us your nuanced takes. We're going to advertise it. We're going to get you guys hopefully more involved, hopefully maybe on the show a few times. Uh, and and that's it. This is going to be a fun season. This is going to be a season like no other. So, Steve, do you have any kind of following thoughts, finishing thoughts before we go? Yeah, closing thoughts as we head into the 2020-2021 college football season with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Ian Book is going to be the have the greatest season for a Notre Dame quarterback in history. He is the best quarterback to ever exist. He can do no wrong. He is calm, cool, collected in the pocket. He has the accuracy, and he is going to break this game wide open. He's, uh, he, he doesn't have a go-to guy he's going to really hone in on, but he has so many weapons around him that he's going to be spreading the ball far and wide and just dominating every secondary along the way because he's got some hog mollies in front keeping him upright. So, uh, Ian, you are the greatest American, and I mean that in every sense of the word. I love you. I've never doubted you for a single second in my entire life, and certainly not on this podcast. And you are going to lead us to the promised land, my friend. Well said. I couldn't say it any better. On behalf of everyone at the Four Horsemen podcast, welcome to season three. I hope you join us in what will be the most insane season of college football's history. I don't know what else to say other than go Irish, beat everyone. Go Irish.